Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. Bibi Fahodier. Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Swilly. I'm here with brothers Amos and Macaroo. Today's date is January 4th, 6261. We say a BB for If nothing else, to keep that concept alive for future generations. All eyes are on Georgia. Georgia. On many people's mind, minds. The Senate, they believe, is held in the balance, but it seems to me that you have more conservative-leaning Democrats than you do left-leaning Republicans. You know, it would seem to me that Mitch McConnell could care. He's slated to be in his seat for six more years, and there's a strong possibility that... Republicans may reach the Senate in about two years. It is indicative of how broken the system is, the fact that one man can prevent aid being disseminated to people. Of course, we have the models out there in Germany and Canada of a government genuinely interested in not only the elimination of COVID, but taking care of its citizenry. What are governments for? But to provide for the citizenry, whether you're talking about jobs or dealing with this particular pandemic, suffice it to say, there's a rising tide of discontent. You know, what happened to Nancy Pelosi, Godfather style, with the pig said, I don't condemn, I don't condone. Or what happened to Mitch McConnell, I don't condemn, I don't condone, but you can only place your feet on the necks of people for, for, for so long. It's one of the conversations that is out there. At some point in time, we hope to hear from you, the listener in the general audience. This is African Liberation Media. Men, take it wherever you want to take it. Yeah, I just want to follow up on what you said there regarding the the protest uh, on New Year's New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, uh, that took place in Louisville, Kentucky, at the home of Mitch McConnell, and in San Francisco at the home of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, a graffiti protest, obviously coordinated by someone, maybe people like the people who broke into the FBI headquarters and released all the information about COINTELPRO back in the 1970s. And uh, they they had a common theme. The common theme was, where's my money? And this, was, of course, was after McConnell blocked the additional $1,400 that for some reason Donald Trump jumped in the game after all of the negotiations had taken place. Just absolutely crass ineptitude, horrible leadership on his part. 
to uh, to allow the whole negotiations to take place and then decide uh, he's going to uh, jump in the game. But, uh, you know, what it said to me is that uh, that people see what Du Bois saw in 1956. There's but one evil party with two names. Because Pelosi had a deal that she could have taken from Trump, as we've talked about here before, in October. They would have gotten $1,200 to us in November, or no later than December. And she turned it down because she didn't want Trump's name on the, on the check. Um, one message said, Mitch kills the poor. Graffiti, fake blood, and a pig's head were left at Pelosi's San Francisco home on New Year's Day, police reported. So, uh, you know, this was a very mild protest, but the fact that they were, someone was able to get that close to, these, to the homes of these powerful people and, you know, write some graffiti, I mean, that, 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 that says a lot. The other thing that, uh, that, is, that is taking place that you mentioned is that, you know, everybody talks about, oh, Trump is a threat to, the, to our democracy. This is what you hear all the time, our democracy. Well, quote, unquote, <laughs> the American democracy, which is a farce, allows one person to block a bill. The rules in the Senate are constructed to allow the Senate majority leader, in this case, it's Neanderthug, Neanderthal Mitch McConnell, to block a bill uh, that would have delivered some much-needed relief uh, to the American uh, public. And that, that, that's, that sounds more like a dictatorship than a democracy when one person, you know, what, you know, one of the things that, this is show the hypocrisy of, 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 of the people within the power structure, the power elite of this country, they are accusing Donald Trump of trying to uh, suppress the vote or, or undermine the votes of, of of people by asking for, you know, all of these, uh, you know, recounts and different things that he's been asking that the elections be nullified uh, in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Arizona. But when Mitch McConnell, so you have 535 people in Congress. And you had uh, the, the House of Representatives, 200 and some odd people in the House of Representatives had passed, uh, you know, this bill to give uh, the American public an additional $1,400. 1400 plus the six would be 2000 And then you had uh, the 48 uh, Democrats and I think seven Republicans uh, in, the, in the Senate that would have voted you know, for this, or at least five for sure. And so one person can nullify the will of, what, uh, 250, 260 uh, people who wanted this particular bill to pass. I mean, if that, if that isn't a dictatorship, I mean, I mean, is that not suppressing the votes or the will of, of people, I mean, it, it just goes to show the hypocrisy. Um, but as, as as regards this Georgia uh, thing that's taking place, I saw something on RT 
$340 million have been poured into the candidates, uh, you know, in this Senate runoff. Both of the Democrat uh, candidates have uh, received over $100 million. And the, both of the Republicans are well over $60 million, near 70 to get to a total of uh, of a uh, of uh, 340, uh, 340 million. So th this is incredible, and it just goes to show that that really what you're talking about is more of an oligarchy than anything. Yeah, it is an oligarchy, and when you look at what why, I feel the reason they probably didn't increase the amount to two thousand dollars. They look at everything that they send out as an investment for them. Nothing is free that they give out. Even though they say you don't have to pay taxes on the stimulus, what a stimulus is meant to do is put money in the hands of the people. The people then are supposed to go spend that money in the economy. And then the government knows that once they spend that money, that money that they spend will be taxed, which will ultimately give them a return on the money that they sent out to the people. We're doing a coronavirus uh, pandemic. The first stimulus that they sent out last spring that amounted to $1,200 per person. Most people put that money in their bank account. So for that, for them, that was a loss. It was a loss uh, investment. So Mitch McConnell, who invest most of the money that he makes comes from uh, the military industrial complex and spending money in, in foreign countries and getting these kickbacks to himself and to other Republicans on Capitol Hill. For them, they're refusing to do that again because they see that it'll probably be the same thing that'll happen. Some people will use it to pay bills and things like that. Um, but the majority of the people that they're sending it to that still have a job are probably just going to put it away in their savings account. Right, which says that those people really didn't need the money. And that there was a study done by 125 economists on how the 1200 was spent. And depending on where, where you're located along the uh, you know economic uh, strata, uh, certainly the people in the bottom uh, 50% spent most of their money on basic necessities um, in, uh, you know, based on, based on this study. And like you said, the people, the high income people who I don't see why they would get given anything anyway, um, just put theirs, you know, in savings accounts or, you know, bought more stocks, you know, uh, you know, on the New York stock exchange. So you, 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 you're correct. One interesting thing about McConnell, just to show you how all these people are connected, Mitch McConnell's sister is on the board of directors of the Bank of China. But yet Joe Biden is supposed to be the one in bed with China. <laughs> I mean, this is why, you know, Malcolm, the speech Malcolm delivered to with uh, Mrs. Fannie Lou Hamer and the brothers and sisters from Mississippi that were up there in, in Harlem in December 1964, one of his best ever, in my opinion. You know, he made it so plain when he uh, 
just clearly articulated, you know, what Du Bois had been saying and now what Glenn Ford and people at uh, Black Agenda Reporter calling the duopoly. He said they're all playing the same game. <laughs> they all play. When you start talking about the part of the piece, worry about the whole because it's all made up out of the same ingredients. That's what Malcolm was telling us in 1964, and we haven't seen it yet because too many of our people are still voluntarily chained to the Democrat plantation. But uh, go ahead, brother. Yeah, just uh, within the context of the potentiality to reinvest uh, human and financial resources into some areas that will bring about legitimate, tangible gains for African people. Uh, I was looking at some numbers today, man. We're talking about the focus on Georgia. 25% of the eligible electorate has already cast their votes, or it is believed that you will have that high percentage that will cast their votes by Tuesday. I mean, that's just tremendous human potential resources and power. Uh, 2.5 million, probably 50% of that, you know, 1.25 million, I don't have to break down, of people who are have some notions of progressive change. You know, suffice it to say, you know, the progressives always sell out to the Democratic Party. Uh, many people see what's happening, but sadly, uh, people don't view any uh, alternative inviolable. You know, so, you know, how do we move beyond this duopoly? How do we move to a level to where, you know, we can construct some type of mass mobilization organization outside of the duopoly that can bring about change or at the very least put pressure on those by way of inside-outside strategy? You know, just a question I have to myself. Um, I mean, it is, you know, like Brother Ture told us, we cannot look at any of our issues without also looking at the uh, the role of COINTELPRO, uh, which has already been mentioned, and uh, its heinous assaults on African liberation movements uh, or the destruction of what has been known as the black left under the pretext of waging a war against black radicals, or that C word again, uh, communism. Some people suggest that we rebuild those movements, whether you're talking about the Fred Hamptons, Doc King, um, the OAAU, whatever you want to name it, uh, but that would take tremendous work. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that to that question, um, Jack. I think it's a never-ending cycle in this country of the Republican and the Democrat and trying to mobilize to create something to change that system I think is probably virtually impossible I think really the, the only solution is to uh, is to try to do what Garvey said and you know gain gain power control over over a system that we can control um, where we can do for ourselves but um, 
Yeah, I think we 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 go through that that never ending cycle every four years of of people trying to choose the lesser of the two evils. And as, as you stated earlier, Marco, they all playing from playing from the same game. And when they write a lot of these bills and write a lot of these laws, uh, they're doing it for their own benefit. Now, you know, each party has different has their own methods of how they want to get what they want to get. But I mean, ultimately, both of those methods hurt us as black people. Mm. So good cop, bad cop, bad cop, bad cop, less of two evils. Uh, you know, something that Garvey said, uh, you know, we'll never be treated with decency and fairness, respect, but we proceed because as Africans, we deserve to be free. You know, we don't, you know, fight against racists or these systems expecting to win per se. We fight against these systems because they are racist. Several people have said that. Garvey said that. Uh, Daniel Berrigan has said that, which Chris Edges uh, quotes Daniel Berrigan uh, quite often. Um, but like I say, you know, we got to keep that concept of a BB for Hody alive for future generations. Um, uh, you know, Garvey was right. You know, otherwise you're dealing with fantasy. We will never be treated with, as human beings, you know, Malcolm said it, living on another man's, under another man's flag, however it was, he articulated it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, you know, we have, we, we clearly understand that African liberation or Bibi Fahodier, you know, doesn't happen without the entire Af African world being liberated, particularly the African continent, which right now is dominated by neocolonialism. We have a on our page about this uh, young man uh, that um, stowed away in the uh, landing gear of a, of a British Airways 747 in uh, Johannesburg and flew to London. The temperature dropped to minus 76 degrees Fahrenheit. But he uh, passed out from a lack of oxygen, and then the body does something amazing, sort of like uh, animals that hibernate. The systems uh, began to uh, lower their need for oxygen, and that's the only reason he survived the flight. I think it was 11 hours, you know, which is amazing. <laughs> I guess it just shows how large the African continent is, which, you know, almost knows more about than I do in terms of, you know, it's an 11-hour flight from Johannesburg to London, and it's only like a seven-hour flight from New York to London. Quite amazing. But but he, he fell out as the plane was landing on the runway. His uh, partner fell out uh, as the plane was taxing in, and he landed on a building and, and died. It was two of them that decided they had to leave uh, Azania. And he said, I had to leave Africa to survive. Wow. I had to, I had to leave Africa to survive. I mean, you know, I know we, are, we got another focus today, but, uh, you know, maybe we can come back to that. Um, so, uh, you know, the situation in Africa isn't going to be any different from the situation anywhere else in the world, uh, you know, until people, you know, engage in a mass movement against um, North Atlantic imperialism and its appendages, uh, the neo-colonial leaders of Africa and the Caribbean, 
and everywhere African people are. But as as regards the, of course, January 5th will be the runoff uh, in Georgia. And like I said, $340 million has has been pumped into that campaign from all over the country, Uh, not just Georgia. It won't be just Georgia's will be voting, but the money has come in from all over the country. And uh, that the we don't know if they'll the results will be in just like the results from the presidential uh, election in November. But on January the sixth, the Electoral College meets to certify the I mean meets to the U.S. Congress meets. I'm sorry, the U.S. Congress will meet to uh, certify the Electoral College vote and declare. Uh, New Jim Crow Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. And what I wrote is that, uh, you know, January 6, 2020 could be a defining moment in U.S. history. Definitely the most uh, contentious presidential election. I mean, even though Bush versus Gore dragged out uh, even longer than than this election, y- you you didn't you didn't have uh, the emotional involvement that you have here with people who really feel same way people of the South felt in 1860 that uh, in a in a in a race with where there were four presidential candidates in 1860, and Lincoln wasn't even on the ballot in uh, most Southern states. He got one. He got no votes in most southern states because he wasn't on the ballot. People in the South didn't view Lincoln as their president. There are probably 75 million people or more, considering you know how many people who didn't vote to feel the same way that Joe Biden is not their president. And you know what does you know what does that portend? So I said January the sixth could be a defining moment because we already know that there are at least a hundred. Uh, 100 plus members of the uh, House of Representatives, Republicans in the House who uh, are, are not going are opposed to uh, certifying Biden and in in several in the U.S. Senate. So you have that, but then you also have, and this is the difference between this election and you know the contentious election in 2000. You have an element of people who are emotionally engaged on behalf of Donald Trump. Protests are planned for Washington, D.C. This protests that are planned for Washington, D.C. this week are likely to attract large numbers of President Trump's supporters, including conspiracy theorists, militia groups, and members of extremist groups, the Proud Boys and others, raising concerns of violent confrontations. The rallies are planned to coincide with the official congressional vote to certify the electoral college votes from the November presidential election and declare Joe Biden the winner. Far-right groups from around the country have vowed to descend on the Capitol and protest the vote and attempt to pressure lawmakers into voting against certifying the results and outcome that even the leaders of the effort admit is extraordinarily unlikely. Trump himself has amplified the conspiracy theories about the election and encouraged his supporters to show up at the protests. 
statistically impossible to have lost the 2020 election. Big protests in D.C. on January 6th. Be there. Will be wild, he tweeted on December 18th. Uh, on Sunday, the president again promoted the protest, writing on Twitter, I will be there a historic day. Now, what I had to say about that was this. African people have already been scapegoated regarding the 2020 presidential election. They've already blamed us uh, for, you know, for Biden being elected. We don't need to get caught up in the emotions of this American power struggle. We really don't need to be caught up in it. We've already been scapegoated. We don't need to be caught up in it. We need to be preparing for survival and self-defense. And if if people, uh, people quote unquote, operate under the banner of Black Lives Matter, which could be anybody, uh, and this so-called uh, Antifa organization, yeah, if they in fact, uh, if there is a massive conference, violent confrontation. This could give uh, President Trump the grounds to uh, invoke the Insurrection Act, 1807 Insurrection Act, which was uh, last invoked in 1992 by George H.W. Bush because of the rebellion uh, in Los Angeles after uh, the police officers who brutally beat Rodney King and which the media continued to show day after day after day after day to make sure people's emotions were bent out of shape. Uh, George H.W. Bush invoked the Insurrection Act, and a lot of people are saying that the that if there if there is continuing uh, violence uh, from January 6 on, that uh, you know Donald Trump could use this to uh, extend his presidency, and who knows what from there. So, you know that's 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 what we're looking at on January 6. It it could could be a much more defining moment than than the vote in Georgia on uh, on on January 5th so uh, it's something that, that we that, that we need to be aware of but we don't need to get caught up in the emotions that's 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 the main point that I want to make about it go ahead brothers you're exactly right we, we have to sit back and relax and get our popcorn and watch the white slug fest it out. <laughs> I mean, you got the Western Zionists and you got the uh, rednecks. They're in a battle over the direction of their country, the United States. The conservatives feel like the Constitution is under attack. They feel like the liberals are headed towards socialism. This is a battle between them. This has nothing to do with black people in regards to getting in this fight. Now, some of the things that could happen from this outcome will definitely affect us, but it's not something that we should put our energy or our lives on the line in regards to going out there and trying to fight people on Trump's side or, or trying to fight people with Antifa or black lives matter so i definitely think we need to sit on the sideline and, and like you said strategize about how we can prepare ourselves um in, in case this fight extends into our communities where we live we'll know and, how to and it, and it will extend because you know the last time uh you know these people came to dc 
uh, you know, back in December, uh, they marched uh, into some uh, areas where there were some black churches, and some of the, some of these black churches were were flying Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter banners, and they they attacked those churches. And as a matter of fact, the guy, the so-called Afro-Cuban, who's supposed to be the leader of one faction of the Proud Boys, was was recently charged with a, a vandalism in that particular act. So. Uh, and 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 believe me, if there's only one or two of us out there, the media is going to focus on that. See, this is what we have to understand how how we're being manipulated in this. Uh, you know, they they will they they will single out. You know, if there's five of us out there and a thousand of them, then the media will make sure those five get shown so that the focus is always on us. Because one thing they don't want is a lot of you know, white on white violence. And what the media is doing is they're, they know that um, a lot of people feel as though the election was a fraudulent election and they're, put, they're pouring gasoline on the fire by antagonizing these people in the media. Um, if the situation was a transparent situation where they allow all of the evidence to be seen and studied. Then they can come to determination that, you know, these numbers are, are actually correct or what have you. But when you sweep it under the rug, then you create this atmosphere. But the difference is this. I think that in this situation, there's there are going to be some targeted attacks. I don't think that people are thinking about a civil war like people just going to go outside and at these protests you're going to see you know people just start shooting and you know all of this mass violence i think that we're at a point now where a lot of these whites are started started to focus directly on these politicians and if you look at how they vandalize uh pelosi's home and vandalize mitch mcconnell's home like you said these people are power they rolling up to your doorstep so I would not be surprised if there's some specific media members that these whites go out and target, if there's some specific politicians that they go out and target. Mm-hmm. And what people have to understand that if Dylan Roof did what he did under those circumstances, then you better believe there's a thousand people like Dylan Roof out there that could possibly do the same thing because of this presidential result. This is why you have to be aware of your of your surroundings and you have to be aware of or have your guard up at all at all times. Because this type of attack can come at any time. Exactly. Anytime. And exactly. And one thing I know about the European is that they will always result to violence. That's all they've ever done. Uh, to, to your point, brother, a couple of years ago, if uh, one pipe bomb had gone off, it would have you know, decapitated the major leadership of the Democratic Party. Uh, one thing in my conversations with uh, the folk tribesmen from the Northern Atlantic, you ask them, what is your concept of socialism 
you know, and generally they will tell you nothing on the shelves, long lines, uh, armored vehicles, authoritarianism, and troops on the ground. Everything that we have seen in Kenosha, Wisconsin, under Trump. You know, so <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's really pointless. Uh, you know, you. I'm out here trying to glean information. Uh, clearly, you know, my, you know, objective is not to transform anybody. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's just virtually impossible. I've tried that many years ago, but it's, I just find it, you know, striking that their concept of communism, socialism mirrors what we have seen during these protests <laughs> in places like Wisconsin and Oregon, uh, you know, these various places. Yeah, these whites, they feel as though their biggest fear is is uh, the loss of the Second Amendment. When you look at how the Second Amendment was written, they feel as though that's speaking directly to them, where a militia can rise up and overthrow the government. Brother, they would rather forfeit their economic rights than the Second Amendment rights. Now, I have heard this. In uh, what is it, Catawba County, up around Baker's Mountain? You know, because that's one of the questions I posed directly. You know, <laughs> and they want that Second Amendment rights, of course. You know, they don't want you to have it. They don't want Bobby Seale to have it, or Fred Hampton to have it. But yeah, you know, everywhere there are contradictions. Uh-huh. You know, one of the one there was an interesting thing that happened in Louisville uh, after the graffiti was written on McConnell's home, two groups of people showed up to protest at, at, at his home. And, you know, this, this goes back to, I, I don't know, I don't know if Trump has what, what his game plan is, but he, he, he really could uh, wreck the Republican party and, and start and, and, and start his own party. And he would have a, he would have massive defections from the Republican Party into the Trump Party or whatever, whatever he chose to call it, if he chose to. But let me, let me just read this. Uh, two groups with different agendas protested in front of McConnell's Louisville home, but they agreed that they have the same enemy. Now, it's always been the great, the great, always the greatest fear of the of of the racial capitalists in the United States has been any kind of unification between poor whites, poor blacks, black workers, white workers, et cetera, et cetera. And white supremacy has always been, you know, the thing that have prevented uh, these white workers who can't see that the capitalists on Wall Street are the one, one, the reason why they don't have jobs in factories anymore. You know, they started with us and nobody gave a flying flip about, you know, dislodging uh, black men from uh, from you know the manufacturing base, but then all of a sudden when it started hitting Steubenville, Ohio, and Charleston, West Virginia, it was all of a sudden you know it became an opioid crisis. But anyway, half of the crowd organized by D.C. under siege were there to protest McConnell accepting the election results. Okay, so I mean this 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 they got the message from Trump. These these uh. Uh, corporate Republicans have abandoned me. Another group gathered at the same time, disappointed with McConnell for rejecting 
a $2,000 stimulus check and felt that American families deserve more. You can make decisions on anything and you do not support your people. That is horrible, said Millie Martin there to protest against the stimulus bill. Despite their differences, this is the key to the whole thing. Despite their differences, both groups agreed that McConnell was not for the people. We're not here as enemies today. We can worry about that tomorrow, said Martin. We're all here together with the idea that the government is ripping us off in total. So you had two different groups that came together. One, one that said, okay, you know, the election was stolen from Trump. The other one said McConnell won't give us money. But they both identified McConnell and people like him as their enemies. Now, uh, that goes that back. Has, that goes back that to what I was potential. saying. Go yeah, Go it goes Go back ahead, to brother. what I was saying earlier. It's it, it's moving from the media being able to manipulate people into attacking each other to the people are now targeting specific individuals. Yeah, and what you have to watch out for almost. What you have to watch out for is this is what we had to deal with. These two, these groups could get together and say, okay, look, we're gonna we're gonna form a united front against the corporate Republicans and the corporate Democrats. But then they would the 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 people who want to make sure, the racial capitalists and the others who want to make sure that this type of unity doesn't come into being, you know, Bacon's rebellion was the first thing that struck this kind of fear in the uh, oligarchs of this country, they would have agent provocateurs on both sides to make sure that the groups are antagonized. And if people are out there on the basis of emotions rather than out there on the basis of critical thinking, see, because what these people, what these people demonstrated here in Louisville on a New Year's Day, they, what they demonstrated was, uh, was critical thinking. They would say, okay, I got one objective, you got one objective, but we both have one enemy. We're not going to fight one another. I mean, it was the same way uh, the, the, the Chinese communists under, uh, you know, Chairman Mao Zedong and the Chinese nationalists under Chiang Kai-shek said during World War II, we got one enemy. These Japanese, look what they're doing, the rape of Nanking. Look what they're doing. We got we, we to join together to fight the Japanese. We can deal with each other later. But right now we got to get rid of this enemy. So, uh, but but your point your point is well taken. Your point your point is well taken, and uh, but they just have to be smart enough to know. And most see mo most of them don't have that kind of experience. They never went through the things that we went through, where we said, okay, we were smart enough to recognize. Oh, wait a minute, if we saw an agent provocateur getting ready to do something, then we would deal with the agent provocateur ourselves. Okay. Police didn't have to deal with him. All right. We would deal with him. Okay, because we know what what does he do? He destroys everything that we're trying to do. And that's you know, and, and so you have people you have the government will infiltrate this to make sure it happens. And uh and the media, you know, the Van Joneses and all of these people have done us a tremendous disservice by placing us in the crosshairs. And 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 and, and you still have a white supremacist element. Uh, you know, within with, with within these uh, far right groups, uh, despite the fact that no, no no matter how many times they a lot of them say that we we're not, um, their emotions can easily be be turned. And you know, deep down inside, you know, there's still that uh, you know genetic annihilation thing that Dr. Wilson talked about. So 
but but I do think what you said, I think that I think what you said has a real potential. I really do. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you got to be concerned about in this situation and and it's also the hardest thing for the government to infiltrate is the lone wolf. The lone wolf actor that decides I'm going to target this person. And the secret service don't roll with all people in Congress all day. So they need to step carefully <laughs> when it comes to these people and how they handle this thing because it's a lot of white lone wolves out there. That it's a lot of them. You're right. That that you know they don't come on YouTube and talk and stuff like that, but they probably feel very at odds with the way things are going on right now in their eyes. Well, you know, I, you know, I watched this thing today uh, on uh, Timothy McVeigh, and <laughs> he 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 was like, he wasn't a, a total lone wolf, but he was a lone wolf in terms of you know he he had he had some co-conspirators to help him with the planning and whatnot. And note as as did Dylan Roof. Mm-hmm. Dylan Roof had some 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 people. You, you're not gonna tell me Dylan Roof knew this history, <laughs> you know, Denmark visa and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's possible. But somebody fed him some information. But, you know, Timothy McVeigh, how many was it, 162 or what, the number of people that he killed, all of these little children. Mm. And he said, he said, killing me, y'all can't win. He said, because it's 100, it would be 162 to 1. Mm. Mm. and, and And that's why when they signed his death penalty, he waived all of his appeals and everything. He said he didn't want no appeals. He said, because y'all can't beat me. You mm. all cannot beat me because I took out 162 and you only going to get one. Now, and that's how they, and that's exactly what they believe. I mean, if you got some white person out there that believes if I go out here and, and take this person out and they take me out, but that person that, that, that I take out is of higher importance than who, who, who gets the victory. Look, you know, they they are being, I think, very coy about this guy. You know, they're trying to claim he was motivated by, you know, thinking that some, you know, reptiles or lizards were gonna take take control. Uh, this guy, the, the the white suicide bomber. You know, the white American suicide bomber. Now we know for a fact if the suicide bomber had been a Muslim, if that bomber had been a Muslim, if he if he'd been a black person or even a Hispanic, call the terrorist. Look, man, this. This thing would have been 24-7. The media discussion would have been 24-7. The, the guy's girlfriend called the police and told them he's making bombs in the RV. The police came to the house. Did nothing. Didn't even go inspect it. <laughs> no, there was no no-knock no raid. Like the ones that killed uh, seven-year-old Ayanna Stanley Jones and Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. No, no, not there. Was, there was no investigation of a parked car that led to the killing of a uh, 47-year-old Andre Hill in Columbus of Ohio, coming out of his, uh, a, a garage after delivering Christmas gifts with his cell phone. She, they were warned. The, the the Nashville police 
contacted the FBI. FBI said he ain't on our radar. He good old white man. We ain't got nothing to worry about. Now, let's say that this guy was not inspired by these things that they say, and he was doing a test run. Imagine if that, if instead of doing that and giving a warning, what if he'd done this like in the middle of a day? Mm-hmm. Because he did, he destroyed a lot of infrastructure in in the um, in the middle of the city. If if it had been a work day, right? Because it was right near, I think, the AT and T uh, one of some big AT and T office, one of their communications offices. Because they said the communications in the city were affected, or, or the whole area were down for a period of time because of this bomb. And in in the cities, I mean, that, that whole block is destroyed. Mm-hmm. What if it happened? What if it had happened? You know, what what if somebody you know like does that close to Wall Street or somewhere? I mean, look, man. I'm telling you, these these are very turbulent times. But the thing for us, we gotta be on high alert. We gotta be on the absolute highest alert because at the end of the day, there's always gonna be that Dylan roof that looks at us instead of you know looking at the people that are really causing this problem. Yeah, let me put this out there so we can, so, I mean, really we should already be ready so we don't have to to get ready um, because, I mean, the ammunition on the shelves is very low right now, so you should already, you know, exercise your, your right to bear arms and have ammunition and then also be aware of the situation that you're in and, and, and the people around you at all times. So if something does happen, you can protect yourself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to discuss the coronavirus vaccine on the African continent. Currently, the two countries that are pushing to get the coronavirus vaccine, one is South Africa. We know that in South Africa, it was one of the areas where they had the highest infection rate um, on the continent. And also uh, South Sudan, surprisingly, South Sudan is also pushing to get this coronavirus vaccine. They're saying that this vaccine will probably take at least a month before it would be delivered. And they're trying to deliver 1.3 billion doses to the continent. Mm. Um, what? Are one you of, serious? Yeah. One of the countries that are resisting to say they're not going to accept the vaccine, of course, like always, is Tanzania and also uh, Madagascar, who who developed their own herbal remedy or their herbal cure to the coronavirus or COVID-19. Uh, they've also you know, said they're not going to accept this vaccine. So Tanzania has said that they're going to use local herbs instead of the vaccine to fight against uh, COVID. And uh, Magafuli is act, has actually removed restrictions on Tanzania. Uh, so he's allowed people to travel and um, he's basically declared Tanzania free of COVID. Now, hmm. the United States has put out a travel alert to East Africa. So they're basically coming out saying that, you know, you shouldn't travel to Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, um, 
and I believe the other country, it was another country, it was four countries. But I know that Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda were on the list. But, I mean, of course, I just left Kenya. And from what I saw on the ground there, they were stricter on their coronavirus or COVID rules than the, the U.S. is here. So I don't know why the U.S. would be telling people not to travel to Kenya. They should be telling people from Kenya should be telling their citizens not to travel here. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what that's all about. What they're trying to do is squeeze that uh, tourist money and, you know, force, uh, you know, the government to relent and, and take the vaccine is what they're doing. I, I guarantee you. Right. Because in Kenya, not only did they have a strict curfew that was actually enforced by police officers, you also had to wear a mask before you can go into any establishment. You had to get uh, screened for your fever. You know, you had to take a temperature before you can go into any establishment. Mm-hmm. And on the streets, they had plenty of places to wash your hands, and all businesses had hand sanitizer. So you you couldn't go anywhere without either washing your hands first or using hand sanitizer. And you had to have a mask on. And you had to have a mask on. Now, if I go to the local Walmart here <laughs> and I put my hand under the hand sanitizer machine, most of the times it's already out of the sanitizer. So how is it that this country that's supposed to be so rich can't even have hand sanitizer available at the stores that people walk into? But I say every store that I went into in Kenya, mm-hmm. they had hand sanitizer or they had a drum with water where you can wash your hands with, with soap and water. Mm. Wow. You know, he, uh, South Africa has been hit harder than any country in Africa, over uh, 22,000 deaths uh, from COVID. And it, it's interesting uh, that South Africa is the country in Africa that ha- that has a climate and uh, political and economic conditions uh, close to you know what African people here suffer, you know in the in in, in the United States. Uh, but when you look at the CDC Africa's reporting uh, as of today, uh, sixty-seven thousand two hundred seventy-four deaths on the entire continent of Africa out of 1.2 billion people. But when, but when you look, when you break that down by countries and you got the uh, 22,000 plus, now I'm sure it's higher than the last number I looked at, last time I looked at it uh, earlier this, uh, late last week. And then you go across uh, North Africa uh, from uh, Egypt, uh, over 7,000, Algeria over 7,000, Morocco, I think was, you know, four, five, 6,000, and so was Tunisia. So between between those countries in North Africa and South Africa, you got close to 50,000 of the 67,000 deaths. So that what that means is between all of West Africa, Central Africa, East Africa, and the rest of Southern Africa, with the exception of South Africa, 
you have less than 20,000 African people dead. 50,000 plus of us have died here in the United States from COVID or COVID-related complications. And on the entire continent of Africa, you have 20,000 black people or less, excluding South Africa. And, you know, we know the Arabs and Berbers and people who occupy, uh, you know, that stretch of land from Egypt uh, all the way across to uh, Morocco. And so I was talking to a group of people, none of us medical or whatever, but we were just theorizing, you know, all of us were critical thinkers. Why, why is it that the death rates across the heart of Africa are so low? And my theory was because of the sunshine, people in Africa, I guarantee you, have much level, much higher levels of vitamin D in their bodies. It's just a theory now. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. But isn't it amazing when you think about it? It's amazing when you think about it that uh, through, throughout the all of West Africa, Central Africa, East Africa, and Southern Africa, with the exception of South Africa, you've had so few black people dying. But uh, that number may go up by the thousands or millions with with the vaccine. Who knows? But that's something for us to think about. It really yeah, absolutely. Is. Right. And one prescribed um, remedy and uh, way, obviously, you know, I've heard it since the um, the onset of this COVID that vitamin D was a necessary ingredient. This is the African Liberation Media. Baby for ODA. ODA. Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not jobs, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. Uh, buying your houses and fine clothes does not represent power. Uh, if it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.